<clears throat> Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast will... Podcast will... Fuck me. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast will we... What the fuck is the beginning of this podcast? Help me. <laughs> it's about race, politics, 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 and everything in between. So what do I say? Uh, race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. But what is the actual... Like, Hi, welcome to Outrageous, where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. I'm your host, Chris, in New York. Got it. Okay. I'm okay. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Happy New Year. Yes. Happy New Year, you too. Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's going. It's great. <laughs> oh, it's, it's 2023, which means that COVID is now four years behind us. And We're in the midst. In the midst of a flare-up in your city, I hear. Uh, don't get me started. I can't talk about it. I'm back to wearing, <laughs> I'm back to wearing masks everywhere outside my house. But but let's not focus on that. Let's focus on all the good stuff that's going to come out of this year. So I ask you this every year. New Year's, resolu- New Year's resolutions. I absolutely do. What, Shoot, what, what have we said in the past? <laughs> listeners, let them know. <laughs> let's let's see if there's been any growth. Anyone can scroll back to an old episode and see. Let's see. What are your? What, do you make New Year's resolutions, Jason? I, I I did not. I will well, not, um, let's go live. <laughs> live. I, 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 you know, I've been reflecting on like the, the whole year thing. It's such an arbitrary thing. Like, do you not like to have fun? Like, do you just sit home and you're like, I'm just going to curmudgeon I, out? I just worry. You know, I, I hear a lot of people, you know, friends, wife, people I work with, you know, saying like, oh, you know, 22, 2022 was this. I'm just so glad the year is over. It's like, you know, the good things about the past year, we can have more of those. The things that were challenging may still be challenging. It's a strange construct. No? I, am I the only one? I, I mean, you know, it's a uh, way of only, demarcating time. What I'm learning is that I should have started with Trisha. Trisha, <laughs> what? Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Jason, uh, I'm going to need you to take your antidepressants. And then we'll <laughs> wait for those to kick in. And then we'll Saying cut. Saying it is a negative. Back. I just like... <laughs> Look, I, I'm I'm trying to be healthier. I've been trying to be healthier since mid 2022, and I'm still trying to be healthier. All right, okay, we'll continue that journey. Jesus. I mean, why weren't you trying to be healthier before that? What the hell? <laughs> it's not that he wasn't trying. No, I know. No, that, no, that's fair. Look, I, I'll be honest. I had a doctor's appointment. My annual checkup. The doctor was like, "You're too overweight. Uh, you have to lose weight," and gave me some suggestions. And I've been doing those things, uh, not with complete success, but working on it. You know. That doctor had some had some ideas because Jason's not overweight, so I don't I, know what kind of scale that doctor what? is you, using. All this, all this, <laughs> these calculations they do to check Weird. for obesity. Fun fact: if I was one pound heavier, I would be overweight. Well, that's what happened. I, I, that's exactly. I mean, I didn't say. It. He said, "You know, you're you're now officially obese. You have to lose weight." That that was the conversation. I like I I tipped I tipped over that like I yeah. The, oh, uh, that I'm, arbitrarily I'm, given one percent. No, I'm just kidding. But, I'm sure. It means no, but something. it's our. I mean. It's real. One pound away from being overweight. I'm felt like a Ken doll. Like, I, <laughs> how is that even a thing? I don't know. Sometimes these measures, I just don't trust them. 
We only need to deconstruct the whole thing. Well, and I will say, like, look, personally, I don't really care about the number, but, you know, I I happen to have high cholesterol. And when you're overweight and have high cholesterol, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Exactly. So I don't really care about the number, but it's like, all right, I need to lose weight so I don't have more complications. And and stop eating eggs or whatever. Yeah. Heart stuff will get you. Like, I think that's its slogan. Heart stuff will get you. (laughs) Trisha, what about you? What's your news resolution? I think my New Year's resolution is use all the stuff. This is weird. My sister and I are kind of in like a cleaning jazz. We just, you know, we were kids that were raised. I don't know about you all, but like with the good dishes, the good furniture. Oh, yeah, Jamaican, yeah. Exactly. You know? Entire rooms in your house, which you do not enter. <laughs> you yeah. do not enter. You know, I've always been that type of person that like, you know, my motto forever is go see it for yourself that's my motto that's why i go everywhere because i'm like let me go see that let me see that this is interesting i don't just want to read about it i want to go check it out but not like climb a mountain like some people do not that kind of thing but more just like this is an interesting art piece go see it that kind of thing so i i'm my resolution is to use it all up is to like use the candle that you've been storing um use the plates that are pretty you know just use up all the things like use it to have your life keep your life enriched that's my new year's resolution i don't know if i haven't been doing that i feel like i'm very much that type of person anyway but i'm just gonna go deeper and deeper into that i'll make that more the case and um see people more be really mindful of seeing friends who are far away uh and that kind of thing so just more of the same probably trisha but trisha times two nice i feel the same i'm gonna i'm leaning more into chris and my mm, news resolution what's is this, Chris. <laughs> so like, I, do you want some feedback on that? Because no, I, no. I was I, thinking, I, I was hoping your resolution would be to lean out of Chris. No. <laughs> With friends like the my news resolution <laughs> is to make new best friends. Because my current ones are not satisfactory. We do love Chris. We do love a Chris. So leave you, you know what Chris. the thing is? They, on actually on topic, my news mm-hmm. resolution is to just no longer entertain, associate, or hang out with people who don't like me. That's just it. Isn't it amazing how many people actually don't like you? It's though? shocking when you look around <laughs> your life how much you tolerate people who are tolerating you. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, listen, if we can't, if I can't bring all of me into a conversation, if I can't bring all of me into a space because I'm too much, or oh, I, you know, I'm, you feel judged by me, or I'm too, if I'm too much for you. Like, bye. Like, that's fine. You should make choices to protect yourself from being overwhelmed. If I'm overwhelming, please move on. Like, satisfy yourself and satisfy me. So that's that's my thing. And it that orientation has actually moved me into really interesting spaces. Like, I'm just like, just looking around. I'm just looking around. And it's more shocking to me, like, how much I've been tolerating people who are just like. Intolerant of you? Yeah, just constantly letting me know, like, oh, you're too much. Oh, you're hurting my feelings. Oh, you said this. I didn't like, oh, oh God, I'm such a victim of you. Okay. Guess what? I'm not here to victimize you, honey. You got to go. Just go, you know, make new friends. It's cool. It's cool. I think that's the right choice for you. It is probably the case that they will just enter into another dynamic where they choose to feel victimized. Right. But that, but you know what? But that's good. The best part about that is it won't be me. It will be somebody else. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't care. It can be somebody else. You, Whatever you're working out, work it out with somebody else. Because unless you're paying me for the therapy, I'm not interested in working <laughs> out your problems. 2023 is going to be all about me, I think. Which is <laughs> different from the previous years somehow. Uh, is it? Yeah. 
I was I almost said it, Trisha. Then I was like, uh, listen. I mean, we we're definitely a podcast that says lean into who you are and really con- consider yourself. Can so I, the idea that we haven't been thinking about ourselves is probably new. Can we have a short mini topic before we get to the main topic? Sure. So exited out of a long-term relationship recently. And so I'm back on the dating scene. And let me tell you, it's a horror show. I went out on the first three dates I went out after the breakup. One, two, three. Casual transphobia was brought up in all of them in the first two hours. Meaning they exhibited transphobia? Yeah, casually. Like, oh, first guy. What's the deal with like, (laughs) Seriously, that's how it started, like 90 Seinfeld. What's the deal with, quote unquote, all these athletes who are trying to compete with women when they're not women? And I was like, viewers that you ended up, how are you matching with people, Chris? I'm concerned. I was like, I'm going to stop you right Right there. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) But, you know, the first guy was like, that guy was weird. The second guy was like, man, I'm just unlucky. Third time, I was like, is there something happening in the culture, maybe specific yeah. to gay men? We've talked about like how people are trying to separate the T out from the LGBT. But like, I I just feel like the environment right now for trans people is like, it's just been made worse by all this ridiculous legislation out of Florida and Texas in particular. And I don't know. I guess there's no question in there. I was just, I don't know. Have you noticed that? Just in your circles or in the media or whatever? Casual transphobia? Casual, like really casual. Let me ask you this, actually. Do you <laughs> think that, like, while it may not seem within your social circles to be okay with homophobia anymore, that transphobia has kind of transitioned into that new box? Because I guess everybody needs a new phobia to maintain. Listen, I met three guys on apps who well, like, they're gay guys, though. Gay guys, you see what I mean? Different from each other, you know, living in different neighborhoods. Yeah. And they all brought that. They all brought that to a stranger, expecting me to nod along and be like, mm, oh, yes, trans people are a problem. And I, I find that to be very intriguing to me because I've never had that kind of experience. I mean, I haven't dated in a long time, but I, I just I just can't believe that's first date discussion about like. Yeah, it feels like a lot to reveal. I mean, but maybe yeah, Harry although- Potter's writer tells people that you can start you can start every conversation with transphobia maybe I mean, that, that makes me think of two things like w- one is i think it is common in in any like identity group i i find this all the time like mm. people love to like are we this kind of that or that kind mm. of that like i hope you're this kind of that because i'm not i hope you're you're not a you know i'm a gay guy that like can't stand these trans people I'd like uh, to make sure I'm yeah front and, are like, you with one me of those two yeah, yeah. exactly or I'm a really gay guy that doesn't like fruity gays, right? Remember that used to be yeah. a thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I'm a gay now, guy but, who doesn't like women. Oh, well, Chris, yeah. maybe you should be grateful that they didn't wait till the fourth date. To <laughs> no, listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> when people there. When people act up on date one, I'm like, work. You've saved me time and money because dating is not cheap here. <laughs> Between two drinks right. and an appetizer, you're like $45 in. So, I think we need to come up with a model for making dates cheaper. But Jason, go ahead. You need to. No, they just, I was going to say the other thing is it's just it's just I hear that I'm just like this is the success of like you know people getting certain ideas out on social mm. media. Like how much time and headspace are you dedicating to the three people that are doing what you just said? Like they <sighs> translate. Like it's just are you kidding me? 
the planet's burning up and you want to talk in the first five minutes about like the three kids that like, it's just, it's so, it's so, it's just, that really upsets me. All those athletes. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, I don't even me. know if that's an issue. Like that's a real issue. It's, it's, not, really an issue. it's not an issue. I'm trying to remember what state there's some like Midwest or Southern state where, I mean, NPR did an interview with the governor because the governor is going to sign a piece of legislation. And they asked him, are you aware of any situations? Like very point blank matter of fact, are you aware of any situations where there are, you know, trans girls who are competing in girls sports. He's like, no. And she's like, well, then why is this important? He was like, well, I, you know, I hear it just wouldn't be fair if that happened. Like, dude, you're, a future you're working on legislation <laughs> that you, you literally, and look, it shouldn't be that hard. Like, you know, I mean, a, a more skilled politician, like, well, like give the one example, right? I saw this little girl and she was in tears because she didn't make the team because that trans, like didn't even have that. Well, no, it's never happened in this state, but I'm oh going to make God. sure this like, well, not I mean, e- not even honest, future problems, uh, Trisha, just fantasies, well, just wild conjecture. But <laughs> the reality, but to be honest, though, we know that it actually has nothing to do with trans, right? It's just a way, it's like, it's to wait, it's a way to create a slippery slope. Yeah. So you, you, you right. set the bar at trans, but then you start like investigating black women who you secretly don't think are women, right? Like, yeah. so it's all of those kinds of things. I mean, it's just, that's usually what Honestly, this is going to sound really sick, but... Yeah. I don't put anything past our culture. I'm so For hard sure. on American culture, but I was just like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but like, it's just about investigating children's genitals. I'm going to be really For sure. honest. Listen, but I, the, I have why, been, are you, why are you pretending that's shocking? Remember, I, there, there actually is legislation to check people's private parts. I have in been rooms. in trainings. I've done LGBT. I've done sensitivity trainings with groups of people mm-hmm. where they ask questions like, you know, if if boys and girls are going on a trip together and there's a trans how do a trans kid, how do I know where to put them? And someone else raised their hand and said, Well, what genitals does the child have? And <laughs> so the first weird. person said, Oh, penis. And I said, I'm gonna stop you both right there. What are you admitting to? Did you look at this child's genitals? Like it was so creepy, their focus creepy. on that. And and the plan, I wanna say it's Minnesota, but I know it can't be. There's some state that has passed a bill that for kids to go into sports, they have to be examined. And I yeah. was like, what, what's happening? What are, we, what are we doing? Can we not Can we not look at 12 year old genitals and be like, mm, okay, like who's doing that? No, no one, I don't want anyone to do that. So. Oh, I think, the, I I think, I think it was Ohio. I knew Ohio it was something Bill up there. would require genital a- exams for student athletes. What I think is really fascinating about exam. this moment though, is with, <sighs> think about this though. Think about how someone took a kind of fringe idea mm-hmm. and then marched it up so much that it's now making its way through legislation. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, think about that. Like, well, and coming up in the first five minutes of a date between yeah, two gay guys. But, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, Crazy. like, that's like an out. I mean, I don't remember. I mean, listen, there's always been a history, like a history of sex verification, right? Like, that's a, there's a there's a long tradition of it. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you can take sort of like really sort of somewhat fringish idea and make them center stage as like a key thing that you might run key in- legislation. On a, on a, in a campaign, yeah, yeah, like in a campaign, yeah. and you're like, wait a minute. So it's like it's like me always having a feeling that my braids were a problem, and then like I suddenly center that as like you know, it's just such a strange fixation that people have. But I mean, I suppose that's a thing you could do. But Florida already has it, right? I, I just, Florida already has like a, I, I don't um, know, but I wouldn't be band. surprised. But what, as we're having this discussion, I mean, what it reminded me of totally different issue is like that whole 
the whole um, stunt with um, DeSantis flying yeah. Venezuelan migrants from Texas. Like, it could just like you just hear like, you know, I, we got to solve this problem of illegal immigrants in our state. Let's fly some. Uh, we couldn't find any. Maybe the governor of Texas will let us move some from his state. Like, what? Like, all the things you can be working on, this is what you're spending time well, on? Well, talking points. But right. the thing for me that's also really trippy, too, because that I mean, like, I, to be honest, my Twitter feed has been talking about how the New York Times has been pretty aggressive and kind of, like, mainstreaming, like, transphobia. Because they have this kind of, they're always asking these questions. Because, you know, Chris, you always say. Like, once you, you ask. Once you ask a question. And so they make these questions seem completely reasonable. But the other thing for me that's really strange is like it it goes completely against research, right? And I guess I know I know that we have killed the experts, which, oh yeah, by the, the way, research, I understand that's uh, barely relevant. No it's one barely relevant anymore, research. right? And it's and that's really, I mean, that's like a real erosion, right? Because the way yes. that we proceed in wor- in the world is we say it's not just your personal experience, sir or madam. We mm. are going to go based on, and I don't mean. A religious devotion to the science but i mean like the idea that we're going to actually have to have this be confirmed through some sort of objective yes. study yes. right but they've actually but people have done a really good job of making objective study completely a non a yeah. non-issue now they like that's not enough i don't really care if you if you've objectively examined 100 patients mm-hmm. and have found that 98 percent of them are not experiencing this my one experience trumps all of that yeah. right and so I think that then sets the stage for all of these kinds of kerfuffles that just mean absolutely nothing. So Remember silly. when we were younger, Chris and I always used to get into these conversations because we would have these friends who would take their one experience and generalize them into conversations. Well, that's youth. And then, it, yeah, right, which is yeah, a stage. Absolutely. Like it's a stage in your development when you would sort of assume that like your one experience trumps everybody else's mm-hmm. experience. But now that becomes kind of the staging ground for conversations. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, like it's, it's just, I mean, I just want us to move on to a new, perhaps well, real boogeyman, perhaps. Like, well, are, but also you know in I mean? some ways. Healthcare, environment, there are actual boogeymen. Does it signal the advancement of trans issues in, ter- and in terms of people recognizing that these are people have the right to live valid lives. And this is just a pushback to that. Yeah, no, that, I think there's truth to that. I mean, that's fair. Like it, it, it is, I'm not in no way justifying it, but, but it is, it's pushback to advancement. I mean, so that is a positive way to look at it. No one would be talking about it if there weren't some progress happening. Some sense of it. Like it's like the Obama effect, right? It's like you guys had a black president and I will make you suffer. Now we it. have to have a racist president. <laughs> You guys and Biden, you guys had an old president. Now we're electing a high schooler. <laughs> like basically, yeah, you know what I mean? Someone who like, hasn't even been through puberty. You're welcome, America. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it doesn't mean that we disregard it, but it is it does suggest to me that there is a kind of like recognition that some people just really are that progress is happening on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember when these were sort of, to be honest, like you said, fringe ideas. Not, well, to not say anymore. They- now, now they're just casual conversation. <laughs> That's the thing. No more looking over your shoulder. Like, hey, um, what do you think about all these? Tra-? Like, not even that. Boldly stating, like, we're on the same page, right? And I'm like, wow, your not assumption really. is wild. No, also, I'm a human being. Sorry. 
But also, it's interesting that it came up in the context between gay men, right? Because, hello, LGBTQ, like, that's the community. Like, it's one thing if you're, like, let's just, if you're among straights, not to say that it's justified with straights, but the whole idea is that you're supposed to be in alignment with this grouping, right? Mm-hmm. Although yeah, I know that, I know those, I know those letters fight. They, those letters, those letters fight. really fight. Um, <laughs> speaking of letters, let's talk about two other letters, A okay. and I. We have right. talked about AI before, about, oh, what are we going to do about AI? Will it destroy sex the planet? Robots. Sex robots. <laughs> Jason just listened to the sex robots episode, Trisha. I enjoyed it. Uh, go back to season two. Trisha and I talk about sex robots. It's one of our best episodes. Um, Jason's never heard it before because he stopped listening to us after he left, whatever. But uh, the thing that we talked about AI is that AI, you know, there's so many smart people who say that this poses like a real threat to our existence. And it feels a little Terminator. It feels a little Matrix. It feels a little dramatic. But let's actually look like what has happened lately. So we have DAL-E, which is an AI where if you just tell it what you want to see, it will pull the internet, pull various influences from all sorts of different art and conglomerate it into a piece of art. So if I say, I want to see a little girl uh, sw- swinging from a giant mushroom um, and the, st- the setting is very like 19th century goth. The computer can generate that in a few minutes. But, so there was much cry from the artist and the graphic designer community who felt like, oh crap, we're going to be replaced because the computer is making cheap labor. Recently, ChatGBT, you can check it out at openai.com, is a tool by which if you tell it what you want it to say, it will generate letters or emails and sound like it's coming from a real person. And I want to give an example, and then I'm going to ask my question. So I had t- I had put into ChatGBT G- Chat just moments ago, tell the listeners about of the Outrageous Podcast that we're taking a hiatus and we will return with new content in 2023. That's all I wrote. Do you want to hear what the letter says? Let's hear it. Hello, Outrageous Podcast listeners. We wanted to let you know that we'll be taking a hiatus from our podcast for the time being. We appreciate all your support and hope that you've enjoyed listening to our show. We're planning to return in 2023 with new and exciting content. In the meantime, we encourage you to check out some of our past episodes and stay up to date by following us on social media. Thank you for understanding, and we look forward to bringing you more great content in the future. What alarms me about that is all the feeling words in there. Uh, we appreciate, we look forward to, thank you, um, were generated by a machine. that You heard what my input, and that was the output. So now copywriters, uh, people who write for a living, are worried that this will come for their job. Uh, college professors are worried that students will just use AI to write their papers. Okay, this was a long lead-in. New York City DOE, I think, just uh, banned guidance. the use yeah. of chat GBT. Yeah. yeah, they have guidance against it now. This is my question, right? It's the same question I asked last time we talked about this. Guardrails? Do we need guardrails around this? And if we do, what do they look like? And if we don't, is this a problem? We often talk on this podcast about things coming into vogue, jobs, um, habits, conventions, then they go. We, you know, we famously on this podcast do not lament the Pony Express because we found the easier, more technologically savvy ways to deliver that information. Is this the canary in the coal mine or is it much ado about nothing? What do you think? I have thoughts, but I feel like, Trisha, you're so much smarter than I am on this. Like, this no, no, I want we you. Need, we need to stop saying that out loud. Not, okay. not in front of everybody. <laughs> All right, I'll say, here are my No, no, please, please, please. I'm curious. I'm curious. Um, <laughs> no, look, no. I, 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 and with this, I try to hold, you know, two ideas in my mind at the same time. I think, yes, we need guardrails. Like, absolutely, we need guardrails. I don't think it's the end of the world. 
I think that when we get when when we're afraid of the advancement of technology because the of impact on jobs, which I get, I'm sympathetic. Like that's disruptive; it can be harmful to people. But the the real problem there is not the technology; it's that we don't share resources in a way that we can all equitably benefit from the technology. Like that's the problem. We shouldn't not progress because we can't. You know, we, we say you have to work this job nine to five in order to have a home and food on the table. Um, so I think like, you know, it's funny you referencing the Pony Express and we can think of all kinds of technologies that, first of all, I'll say, I think to some extent there's no stopping it. And I don't think we should try. I think there are benefits to be reaped. We should work really hard to try to reap them equitably. But yes, you need guardrails. You need to be careful. I mean, you, I think we can all see the possible dangers of this and we're going to run into potholes and there's going to be some damage and we should be trying to minimize that. That's entirely right. I think the thing that Jason says that I think is striking and I think we always have to remind ourselves of is that there are always going to be groups of people who are very, who have a very like outsized power, right? So in some sense, it's the deployment of these tools that are the tricky part for me, not the fact that the tools exist because tools have always existed, right? Or and it's not to say that these tools don't have um, don't have values embedded in them, because I actually think that that's a little bit of the tricky piece of the, the this question of the, for example, the chat piece, right? Which is, what do you what do you characterize as writing? Like, I thought it was really fun that you told the um, you told them to create a note for us for our departure, because first of all, we know this is labor that we hate doing we would have to pay someone to do it. And what it demonstrates is that it's actually a function of the very system in which we have we exist in, which is that this AI is able to do this because there are databases of this messaging that exists for it to call from. Hmm. Um, I think that's the thing about AI. AI does not generate something wholly new. It is an amalgamation of pre-existing things because AI is trained on data, existing data sets. That's how it does it. So it basically goes quickly through a set of announcements and that's how it's able to use feeling words and all of those things, right? But well, I because think it's looking at millions all the of millions. similar messages and, and, and putting it together, yeah. And replicating it for you. I think what's interesting for me about that is that that became a value such that AI could actually replicate it. And the question for us is what do we value? That's always the question around AI for me and any of these information systems is, do we value a student being able to regurgitate the textbook in such an approximation that it suggested that to you that they've learned things in a paper, which is why then teachers are afraid, or have you created an educational environment where you are assessing the student in ways outside of a written paper, where you have interactions with your students, where you can approximate an understanding of what the student knows? So if you are evaluating a student's, uh, a student's um, progress, right? And we've often, I mean, Jason can talk about it and all of us can, because we, we are in some sense working education. The question of evaluating whether a student understands a subject matter has always been a tricky thing, right? Challenging. It's yeah, really, really challenging, challenging, right? And what AI has demonstrated, what this new chat issue has demonstrated is that maybe the essay is an inaccurate way of doing that evaluation now. 
right? Maybe the essay, which is now goes through all the different essays that students can put together, because guess what? Guess what? People have been paying folks to write essays for them. Not a chat, not, not this chat bot, but guess what? Students have been writing essays for other students as long as time of world, right? And so- <laughs> Real life chat Real bot. life chat, <laughs> right? And so- Well, and, well, and people and ghostwriters have written books for books other people that for, their name goes on, but they didn't write it at all. They didn't write it at all. And so I think, I mean, and I get it, right? Because part of what it is, is like this notion that someone, you're getting a false, you're getting false information. And, but what I want to suggest, as Jason suggested, is what's the underlying concern? What's the underlying concern about any of the things with AI? And can you unpack that a little bit? Like, yes, the AI part of it is really sexy sounding, but underneath it are usually very human challenged issues, right? Well, so the, for, mm -hmm. yeah, the so that, that I keep hearing coming up are both economical and educational. Sure. Right? Starting with the economic. Mm -hmm. Are certain jobs going to become obsolete? I mean, yes, they just like some yes, jobs. Yeah, were I'm Trisha. New. Trisha's like, just like some yep. jobs. No, it's just like some jobs technology. were new. Every That's technology creates new jobs. The question is not the fact that your job becomes obsolete. This is not the challenge. The challenge is what do I do with the people whose jobs become obsolete? Do we have services to find them new jobs, particularly since we define people by their jobs, right? Are we gonna be able to say this job, this entire job has been eliminated? Let me just remind you, coal miners, all okay, of yeah, you know, exactly. like that, the Pony Honey, Express is a good example. Workers Milkmen. jobs were outsourced. Rat catchers. Yes. Uh, so the, yeah. So the elimination of a job is not necessarily itself the problem. The problem becomes who is um, who's less served by that elimination, which tends to be really vulnerable communities, people of color. But however, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to stop you right there because I think yep. the conversation with Dali and ChatGPT, what yep. comes up now is that we're not just talking about like Henry Ford level automation. We're yep. talking about an entrance into what some consider art, right? If computers can generate art. Now, this is a conversation we can have because I'm really, your opening definition of what these systems are doing, I think is important to highlight here because they're not, there's no creativity happening nope. per se. Nope. Nope. You know, the viewer looking at it, right, will have an experience of wonder, right? But that's because the computer is selecting from thousands of experiences of wonder and conglomerating them. So, nope. so, the conversation is, so it's not necessarily, and maybe that's why this sort of call is very like loud right now. It's not necessarily people of color or people uh, on the margins or people who make less money who are going to be affected. I mean, we're talking about artists, graphic designers, uh, writers, uh, ad people, like those jobs now, which we consider to be like middle of the road jobs, whatever that means, could be under fire. So I guess my question for you two is like, should artists be worried um, or should they, you know, be like the Pony Express and be like, well, I guess I had my time. I mean, this is the question. So let's, 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 let's kind of pull back a little bit. And what do we, def how do we define an artist? Right. Because to be, because, question. well, yes, it's too big a question. So my question for you is if you are creating an amount, because one of the things that you've been talking about is many of the things that you're talking about is commercial art, right? Mm -hmm. Advertising art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that which is a, in some sense an invention of the 20th century, right? And it's like a, nat a, nation an, a natural corollary of the peak of the 20th century, which is that technology now has phased out this layer of work. Now, yes, maybe there'll be more of an outcry because that tends to be 
non-folks of color. It tends to be middle-class people. Mm -hmm. It tends to be those kinds of things, right? So the question for me isn't so much about like, oh no, it's affecting different people. The thing is that technology will come for many of your jobs, mm -hmm. especially depending on how you define those jobs, right? If you define those jobs in a kind of, I hate to say it, in a very market-based way, and in a kind of like this, it's all something that a, a, a machine can do, then yes, of course. But I think one of the things that I think when we've been thinking about AI in other spaces, the thing that AI rears for other people is should a machine have, should a machine do this? Just because a machine can, should it? So let me talk about a place that's more serious for people than, than the graphic artists. Should you use a machine to decide whether you do a, surgic, a surgical intervention or not? Should you use a machine to decide which parent gets a child or not? Should you use a machine to decide whether someone um, um, is up for bail or not? I mean, those are some of the spaces where the risk for AI is far more egregious than the, whether the art space than I, the art I, I, space I in leave, that way. I, I don't, don't want to leave the that. art space because Jason hasn't had a time, a yep. moment to comment on that. So, Jason, uh, as far as what these machines are doing, is it art? Should artists be worried? I think it will disrupt art. I mean, I think it will disrupt the livelihoods of artists. So, I mean, I, I am sympathetic to an artist being worried. That said, I, look, even before AI, as the graphic design became a thing, then that meant that if you were really good at painting, you know, with your hand and a paintbrush, you may not be in as much demand because there were people who were good with computers that could also design beautiful images without that skill. So it's disruptive. And so that person with the paintbrush really does need to decide, well, you know, I'm good at thinking of good images, so I got to learn how to code or I need to learn graphic design or I'm going to do something else. It's hard. I mean, I, I, I'm trying, again, I, I see both sides. I think it's truly disruptive. It's going to happen and people are going to need to adapt. And I'll just say really quickly on the, the equity notes that, Tricia, that you were touching on, that is real though, because... We know that the people who will be best equipped to respond to the disruption are, you know, are going to be people who have degrees, who have credentials, who have credibility, who have resources, who have money in the bank. And so if you don't have as many of those things, and if you're subject to discrimination for any number of reasons, then you're going to have a harder time adapting. And that that is the to me the most unfortunate part. Like I agree a hundred percent with what you were saying, Trisha, which is like it's on us as a society to um, support people on how to adapt. What, And this is what we have failed to do, right? Like if you're a coal miner in a coal town and we are saying we're not burning coal anymore, we have, and I would say neither political party, we have not done a good job at all of saying, well, there's this other thing you can do that allows you to have a home and educate your kids and all that. And, and I agree with what you said, Trish, like that is the problem. The problem to be solved is in a changing world because of AI and a million other things, climate, all kinds of things, we have a collective approach to making sure everyone can continue to have shelter and food and education and the answer is right now we don't certainly not in our country I'd, I'd like to see us focus on that problem again even while we need to think about the guardrails but to say and i'm not saying people are saying this but like we're we're gonna ban dali you know so that artists don't lose work like that, that's just never gonna work like progress and we've tried that in the past and it never it doesn't work it never works they i mean listen we can stay fully in the um we could stay fully in the art space 
because I think in some ways that's an interesting dilemma. Whereas maybe the other space, it feels like well, you, you could make you could make a real strong case for um, guardrails in a certain way. But you're art giving me an anti segue because I want to move art to go to the second part that people are concerned about is the educational space. For sure, but can we talk a little bit? I want to just respond back to the art piece, right? Because I think Jason made a really good point about sort of the evolution of art and mm -hmm. deciding which one has value because you're right that the idea of speed right and efficiency is also built into these concerns around art right and so let's think about movies remember when we used to have movies that were those luggy big camera equipment and then people started making movies on their phones mm -hmm. you know that battle around like is this real cinema i think these are the kinds of questions that sort of call us to think about what do we mean and how do we define the value of art, right? And like, and, and for some people, art was always about the hu human connection, right? It was about humans telling us a story about our world. But we've all gone to see a film that looked like it was paint by number filmmaking, right? It was like, when people name started- their Name their names, name their, which yeah, movies, Trisha, you know I mean? name their um, names. Name their names. But I think that's a, that's a little bit of the larger question around some of these pieces, right? Like if a computer can generate it, is it art? What do we define as art? And where's the human in the art? Mm -hmm. And those are, I mean, those are kind of value judgments. I think all of this is about values, to be honest. It's about us making a decision about what 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 matters to us as humans and what do we want to do about it? And to Jason's point, it's like, how do we protect the people if a whole swath of an industry disappears? How do we upskill them? How do we reskill? How do we do all that kind of stuff? That is traditionally what we struggle with. Mm -hmm. And that's why the battle is always going to be tricky there. Because at the at the end of the day, we do survival as a fitness, fitness here. And the fittest is, okay, this industry has been annihilated. Sorry. I mean, we're seeing it at McDonald's, right? Mm -hmm. People go up and they're ordering food from a machine. And somebody in the back is producing it. But that frontline worker that was there in the beginning, that was just answering, you know, taking your order that person that job has been completely eliminated there's now right? a fully automated mcdonald's where there is actually nobody in there nobody so, in there congratulations we did it before we move away from AI, sure. i want to talk about the educational space which is the other space which get people um all and we started talking about this in the beginning it's sort of like <laughs> how does this threaten the way that we educate children or does it enhance it now i have to say before we started this i was like are there aspects of the classroom that AI could handle, like straight lecture? I don't know, like generating worksheets, like there's all sorts of things, individual worksheets based on the work that you've done, the things that you've gotten wrong. There are options here. Jason, like we're talking about chat GPT, right? It can write your essays for you. It can do all sorts of stuff for you. But I see that there could be real advantages here. What do you think? Oh, there are huge advantages. Uh, um assessing student work. And I mean, I, I was talking to, there are companies now that use AI to match tutors with two T's based on all manner of Is that a word, variables. two T's? I've used it before. It doesn't mean it's a word. I don't know. <laughs> so there, there's so much potential. I think there's a ton that I, and Trisha, again, I feel like we're just like complimenting each other, but like you hit it on the head. We always struggle with assessing student mastery, always. This does make it that much more difficult. Um, and it, it, you know, I do think, and I'm sure there are people, there are people who will disagree with me. I do think we need to have, you know, you're in a room and the internet's off and we're going to make sure you wrote the damn essay because otherwise we can't tell whether you really learned how to write an essay. Like, I think, I think we're going to need to do that stuff. 
But that doesn't mean that we're Luddites and it's like AI is a total threat to the project of education. I, again, it gets to your first question, Chris, like, yeah, we need guardrails. We need to be very thoughtful about what are the things that we can use AI for, which I think there are infinite number of that will enhance education. And what are the things we need to do? And I don't have all the answers. It's not easy. But what are the things we need to do to limit AI in certain spaces to make sure we can actually make sure that, uh, you know, students are learning what what they are setting out to learn what we need them to learn. But but this raises a question. And Trisha, I'm going to kick this into your corner. Jason, what you just said, like, we got to make sure the kids, maybe kids don't need to know how to write essays anymore. They certainly don't need to know how to milk cows or darn socks or, you know, so Trisha, what do you say to that? Like, I don't know, like, this I mean, is an this advanced, is the, yeah, go ahead. This is the question, right? This is the question. What is the purpose of an education? Which sounds like, why do we want to go there? But it is that broad. Like, what is the point of, um, which is an enduring question, right? Because there's always been this tension between, are we getting a liberal arts education? Are we educating you for a job? Or are we educating you for life out in the world, right? Yeah. Um, reading, you know, the three R's. This is this comes back around to it. Because if essay writing is not, a non, is, is, is a non-starter, mm-hmm. then this chat makes no sense for us, right? But what are, what are the kinds of things that we think people need to know? What are the kinds of things we think students need to know? How do we really assess their progress? The other part of it for me that's also challenging is if you're deploying AI in a classroom, you know that it will not be deployed equally then because there will be some classrooms as for all the improvements that it might bring, which classrooms will not have that? I mean, under well, underserved. Yeah. Well, and exactly. again, that's, that's, that's where we should be focusing our attention. Uh, and then just to put my cynical hat on for a second. And I think what you said, Chris, we said, Trisha, like right on, like, and we struggle, we really struggle with this. What do we really need and want children to learn in school? What pisses me off with my cynical <laughs> hat is that's a real debate we should be having all the time. We should be having it. And we're busy talking about whether we want to say the word slavery in a fucking classroom. Because exactly. oh God, what if the white kids feel bad about themselves? Like that's where we are. And that's what's so frustrating to me. The political discourse that I, I mostly blame the Republicans though the Dems deserve some blame. Like we're not talking about the like, is it important? I remember, I don't know, maybe it was in high school. There was like a debate about do kids still need to know algebra? I think that's a really interesting debate. And yes. I, I, that's an interesting, but those aren't the conversations we're having right now. Like we're having conversations about like, can you say gay in the classroom? Can you say slavery? Can you, should you say race? It's like, oh my God, like there's a whole world, there's an economy out there and we are losing because we're stuck with these stupid culture wars. Yeah. And so I think in a weird, I mean, I th- listen, I think AI is, is tremendously impactful tremendously important tremendously I, helpful but but also but also has real as real negative consequences i mean wanna, well, of course but, but not just a, i don't want to say it in an, in an of course in a dismissive way part of the big issue around ai is its surveillance aspect is like it, it there's a surveilling quality around some of this work which is mm-hmm. how does it get the information what does it track about it's you vacuuming it, up it's every yeah data point every available. data point about you right and that really means that's where the guardrails really needs to be really thoughtfully but haven't we been and we've been yeah. primed for this over the past 20 years you we've been invited we... to give our data to the yes, internet exactly over exactly. and over and over, over again and over and now you and now but the it's one come thing home I have, to roost this is it, it come home to roost but the other part of it is the thing that no one has said is that sometimes people don't actually understand how ai is doing what it does 
That's the other part of it. Yeah, so you're you're going down a road with something that doesn't actually, you, most people, and even companies sometimes, they can't tell you how the tool did what it did, right? And so that leaves you very open, that leaves it very open to lots of things that are potentially problematic. So, but I think as always with every single technology, it always rears its head back to central questions, right? Which is, what is art? What is the value of art? What's How the, have we defined it? What's what is education? education? Why do we do it? And so the question of why we do it then then leads to how do we do it? Which Jason tells us that it's an enduring problem as someone who has ran and open schools, mm-hmm. right? And so the computer issue just brings it to the fore. Yeah. And But of course, as Jason makes a very good point, we can't confront it because we do not have forums to actually make that this stuff. Mm-mm. We don't have the forum to make these kinds of like key distinctions. Around well, we have the forums. We're distracted. Yes, we have the things, forums, right? but it's filled with other noise. Like, it's, uh, uh, which bathroom are these kids using? We're gonna look at their genitals. Yes, whip, I out, mean, your, whip out your genitals, kids. <laughs> like that's where that's the level that. we're at. That's <laughs> the level we're at, which is very frustrating. And so, I mean, and so to 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 the extent that I mean, and this is this is where I think I mean I'm gonna go in personally. I mean, what is the purpose of education? You know, for you to and prepare we, someone to operate in the world as it exists. As I mean, it it's, exists. it's it's very it's I think that's very vague, but I think mm-hmm. it should be education has to be kind of vague because and yeah, yeah, right. And but is it is it is it calling to your higher order thinking or is it about preparing if that's workers? necessary in the world that exists, which I have to say. I mean, I think it does. I mean, I mean, I think there's a tension there, right? Because somebody could say, Well, if this is all about losing jobs. Then what is what is education's role in preparing for the jobs of the future? But I think education is about more than your job, right? It's about preparing you wow. for citizenry, for participation in the world, in the world, in the world broadly. For You're family not life, just for, a worker. For, yeah. Taking care of your health, like all of those existing, things. living, seeking so, fulfillment. Like it's it's a lot you load up, right? It's so a that's lot preparing you, load up. you for the world that exists and the world that you're going to be entering. So I, I mean, I think in the end, in wrapping this up. I think, you know, and we've discussed, I think this is the third time we've discussed AI. Um, and always we come back to like, I, I don't know. We we never arrive anywhere because- Well, think of your email. Think of emails. Think of when we first introduced email. Yeah. You have been using AI in your emails. Oh, now, I mean, word along. suggestion. And my text messages to you, mm-hmm. not for nothing, it. 33% of that is not me typing. It's exactly. me just tapping. Oh yeah, because because the AI knows. Oh, that's the word that usually follows that. This if I write if I write Trisha and well then Jason's the next word. So Jason gets suggested. Well, by the way, just I, real quick, when I, whenever I do and I do it all the time too, just like you're saying. But I'm always often it's not exactly the word I was going to use, but I'm like, oh yeah, that works. And then I'm like, you know, that's interesting. Like my voice, if I were going to like do some scientific analysis, it's probably changed because oh. because of that. Well, we we are, you know, remember Marsha McLuhan, we're an extension of our technology, right? Mm -hmm. And and the the technology extends us. But I think the one thing that people need to understand about it, which I think, you know, when I work with, I work with AI specialists all the time, and they always say the AI does what you want it to do. The question for you is, what are we assigning to AI? What are we outsourcing to AI? And you know, we love to outsource really complex things that should potentially remain in the human space, but we love to outsource this because of the 
this weird idea that we have that a technology or a tool is more objective. Mm -hmm. There's no objectivity mm -hmm. around really humane questions. Like, you know, but we love to outsource it to a machine because we see, we think the machine is a kind of almost informal God, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the machine and is, we, too often we think machines are neutral. Yes, exactly. And but they're when not it comes neutral. to AI, they're really not neutral, as we've discussed before. Yep. Um, I'm going to move on to recommendations. Now, I asked ChatGBT. I, I, well, I, I don't have I, a podcast anymore. Am I out of well, No, no, get this. Podcast? So I typed into ChatGPT. Very I said, true. I said, invite Trisha and Jason to share with the audience a recommendation for something they have seen, heard, read, or experienced that they think other people should see, hear, read, it, or experience. So here we go. ChatGPT is doing my job better because the computer says, Trisha and Jason, as you may know, we are always looking for new and interesting content to share with our audience on the Outrageous Podcast. We'd love to have you both as guests on the show to recommend something that you've seen, heard, read, or experienced that you think other people should check out. It could be a book, movie, TV show, album, or anything else you think is worth sharing. If you're interested in participating, please let us know and we can discuss the details. We look forward to hearing your recommendations. I just want to point something out. In my prompt, I didn't mention the Outrageous Podcast. It had called that from a previous thing I typed in. So the AI is already learning about, it knows that Trisha and Jason are on a podcast called Outrageous. I'm a little, all of us. Thanks, I'm Chris. really creeped Thank out. Um, so Jason, uh, the computer has invited you to give a recommendation. I think we better do what it says. Well, yeah, you know what's yes. really great about the computer? The computer also is very careful to tell Jason, these are the types of things we're looking yes! for. <laughs> yes, because Jason needs, the computer knows who you are, Jason. It could be a book, movie, TV show or album, no dentist, not a barber shop, no, no barber shops, you know, not a, not a secret quickie wedding. None of that. A new, a new spa or salon for men. You I was going to recommend. You will get slapped in the face. I want to see if that thing says, Trisha, why are you looking around your room? Have you not thought about this before the podcast? I want to see if it picks up on that. Stop Luckily, stalling. What's your I haven't done it. I didn't even have to now. What's your so recommendation, Jay? Actually, you know, unlike usual, because it's been so long since we recorded, there was, I was like, try, there are so many things I could recommend. I'm going to recommend, so just to set this up, I discovered recently that with my Amazon Prime subscription <laughs> i get access to certain podcasts for free and ad free etc and so there's this um seven episode podcast spy affair about mm. maria butina this was the woman like, oh yeah i had forgotten all about this like it was this blip and then i'm like oh yeah she was the woman that like had she's from russia she came mm -hmm. here as a graduate student she kind of infiltrated the nra and then there was a question of and she was getting to know republican politicians yep. was she an agent of Russia or not. And so she ended up spending 18 months in prison in our country. And then they uh, deported her, I guess, back to back to Russia. So it was just it was interesting. I mean, it can, again, it was like this blip. And I know I was like, I don't what did happen with that. What was the deal with her? So and I did find it interesting. I will say that it is definitely sensationalist the way they presented. And I'll give an example. They're like, we asked the FBI whether they had spoken to this. <laughs> and, this is a, and the FBI would neither confirm nor deny like so it is you got to tolerate that and there's some very dramatic music but it was just a fun thing to listen to for a week okay <laughs> trisha <laughs> the computer now requires your recommendation um so i i think i'm so i'm recommending uh i watched two things over the break 
which is a long break, but effectively just the last week. Um, everyone has been see- talking about this. Um, Glass Onion. I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the first one. I thought the first one was much, much more interesting and more clever in my mind. And just kind of, a, it's like, it was new. So it was exciting. Glass Onion follows the adventures of a detective who's, I guess, a well-regarded famous detective in that world, such that if he shows up in your space, you know, your crime is about to be solved, basically. <laughs> And so the first one was quite clever. It was like a family. It was called Knives Out. Knives Out. Sorry, Chris. Knives Out. And it was very clever. And the reason why I love Knives Out is because it had the the most important thing for me, Chris Evans in a sweater. Um, But it's mostly not the sweater, but it's Chris Evans because I do love Chris Evans. Um, So, of course, I'm really sad that he has a girlfriend because, of course, I was always going to be his second. Yeah, that was anyway. That's that's the reason why you and Chris Evans are not together. Not together. His girlfriend. You still still liked him after Knives Out. He was such a dick in Knives Out. I know. I love it. It was so great. But then this one, um, this one is um, a regathering of a, is a, it's a gathering of a group of friends for a supposed weekend away that is characterized as, um, uh, as one of these fabulous whodunits. But the only reason why I'm recommending Glass Onion, to be honest, is for the performance of Janelle Monae. Yes. She's absolutely wonderful. It is wonderful to see her progression as an artist and as an actress. She's always been a wonderful ar- artist in general, but I think her acting has just gotten completely um, wonderful. And if I, if she gets, I want her to get nominated for all the supporting roles that she possibly could. Um, it's wonderful. So Glass Onion for Janelle Monet. Um, the story, eh, but uh, love everything she was doing in that. And then also... Manifest has returned, which is the story of a flight that disappeared and then reappeared. Um, and they, it was, uh, it was rudely interrupted as these things do. A TV show, Netflix goes, okay, it's done. We're not, we don't need to finish it. And the fans protested and they have decided to film a final season. And um, of course, oh as, as you know, as all stories are, and this is the question of art, you know, the disappearance of the flight tackles questions of Christianity, you know, all these stories oh always come God. back to God. I, I know, care. I know, but this I love is... it. I love it because it's really about, at the end of the day, it's really about the fact that we're all in this together. Your fate and my fate are intertwined and tangled up in 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 each other. That's what I love about it. The 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 other the, the periphery thing doesn't matter to me, but it, that's essentially the theme of the show. Is your dear, fate. dear listener? If you could see Chris's eyes rolling, I thought he was going to pass hates, out. He hates these no, traumas. He really no, does. It's not that. I find that religious lo- Christianity stories. <laughs> I would love to do like a comparison. Whenever mm-hmm. we do these shows in America, yep. um, especially if they're science fiction shows, I think mm-hmm. I've mentioned this before, like Quantum Leap, yep. uh, Battlestar Galactica, aspects mm-hmm. of Star Trek. Um, yep. After a while, the ex- the reason why things are happening becomes assigned to God. And I find that to be really intriguing from an American perspective. All, all, science, all of our science fiction shows lost like all of those shows end up in a religious space so now when it happens it's just it's so common that i i'm like this is i I don't i just find it intriguing so i'm I'm rolling my eyes because it's not new it's not special it's not novel it's just it's just inculcation christian inculcation over and over and over and over and over again well i don't know if it's christian inculcation i mean that's usually what it is but i think what i like about (laughs) i don't know if it's i don't know if it's that but that's this is what you just 
<laughs> what I'm saying is it's always about trying to find a reason. And if you believe in the notion of exploration and the notion that God is a, is a placeholder for things that are unexplainable to people, that's what that is. And I don't the, necessarily the problem know if is, Christianity. Is that, the problem is, is that we really quickly, then I'm going to do my yeah, yeah, sure. then we got to end this. But like uh, Under the Dome was a book by Stephen King, which got adapted mm-hmm. to a show on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, Under the Dome is about a town, which, you know, the, a yeah. wall has sprung up around it and the people like what's going on in the book. There's a science fiction explanation. Some alien children have done the equivalent of like putting like a glass over an anthill just to see what was going to happen. So, and Cute. it's really, and it's King's allegory about climate change, mm-hmm. right? The transition to the show by episode three, characters are saying things like, we must commune with the dome. We must understand what it wants. It be- took this religious significance. And I thought, how intriguing, how intriguing that a show that relies on science has become a show about religion. Like a story about science has become a story about religion. I was like, that feels very American. Um, and it's not an accident. That's all. You know, media is never an accident. But I was just like, how fascinating. All of our stories about science are about religion. That can't be good. It's a foil. I was like, that can't be good if, say, a pandemic shows up and we need science. We need people to be oriented to understanding science. And then look what happened. So but I am a, uh, I'm a prophet. So deal You're with a it. prophet. And it comes full circle to your question. If these were generated art pieces and they still come around with the same theme, what's the point? Why don't we just get the AI to do it? Since we are always circling around the I, same damn theme. I didn't you. say that. Anyway, <laughs> nah. my recommendation, I'm going to keep it quick. Mm-hmm. Um, looking around your room. looking around the room. <laughs> oh, my God. That's why he was going on his rant. No, stop, stop. No, I, I have a recommendation. And when you hear this recommendation. Tell, I, get, tell me it, what recommendation to make of a movie that came out recently. When you hear this recommendation, it is going to change your life. Um, as soon as I think of it, uh, I have, <laughs> I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of two books. I haven't, mm-hmm. every show has been on hiatus and I haven't been to the movies. So mm-hmm. I don't, so, but I will tell you what I've been up to. And this is my recommendation. I took a Spanish class. Oh, yes. And I got a Spanish textbook and I had homework and I had to go twice a week and I did the homework and now my Spanish is much better. So my recommendation is um, learn a new language. It's not beyond you. Like I swear now when I what hear people- What are you using? Um, oh, I paid for a class. Oh. Um, so I had a professor, we had three hour classes twice a week. They were completely- He didn't ins- use the AI of Duolingo. No. He went with the human touch. It's completely- ins- book. Yeah, it's completely in Spanish. I have the book. We did the homework. We went over it, you know, and I have to say now, like I'll walk around the streets and when you don't understand the language, it's just noise. But now nowadays, like sometimes the noise will break into like clear meaning and I'll be like, oh. <laughs> so I'll hear like, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, you need to put this on the shelf and then blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what? We I understood that. I just want to encourage people, like learn a new language. You think it's beyond you. You think you're an old dog. And you can't learn new tricks. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. Just like anything else, it's a it's a little bit of effort, maybe a lot of effort, but um, it has been worthwhile for me. So that's my recommendation. And okay. but you do recognize that did not fall into any of the categories that the Chat GPT set oh, out for us, right? Shit. The computer. It's very, the computer it's very dental be, of you. Very dental office of you. <laughs> that, oh my god. That's an uh, old reference for anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a long time. Get that AI. 
Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm telling you, write an email firing Chris from the podcast. Let's, uh, you want to hear what it says? Yeah, that's a good way to go out. It says, dear Chris, I'm writing to inform you that your service as a member of the Outrageous Podcast will no longer be needed. We have made the decision to move in a different direction and will no longer require your participation on the show. We thank you for your contributions and wish you the best of luck in future endeavors. Bye, all. Was that a firing or was that actually a breakup? Because they got confused. That feels like a breakup. <laughs> Different directions. <laughs> and on that note, goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>